Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. And you probably can't see this because we're not doing a video today, but I'm looking at Chris Marone, but I'm not sure it's Chris or if it is your younger. Do you have a younger brother? Nope. Youngest of all. You shaved your beard. What is going on? You look like a I new didn't. man. Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. Did, you, did your wife want a new husband? No. So, um... I, I, we've, we've rarely talked about this, but I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church, um, which may be shocking to some people out there because I have such liberal views. Um, but this last weekend, we had a changeover in our local con congregation, which we call a ward, and I was asked to serve in a leadership capacity in my local church ward. And one of the things that... Um, that comes with this ask of leadership is that you model the standards of what an LDS missionary. Are you telling like. me they made you shave your beard? They asked me if I would be willing to shave my beard Dude, to I set an example for the young men by Dude, which I, I will be presiding over. I think the Amish are hiring. You, you didn't have to go that way. The, the Amish. I know. I didn't. The, the Amish would have hired, but I don't know if they would have got me to heaven. So I'm I'm really banking on this idea that obedience brings blessings and you so, you so know, it's been it's been weird it's been really weird joel i have had a goatee since i was 19 and i am now 41 and it is weird wow but willing the things i'm willing to do to serve the lord i did not have a beard until i showed up in court in new york city and they thought i was some <laughs> young punk who I, I looked way younger than i was and i was in my mm -hmm. 20s and i looked like i was 19 and so i got no respect in court so i thought i have to grow a beard to get some respect yeah. in court and then i found out that when i grew a goatee chris it's actually slimming on the face and i'm all about slimming on the face it's all, i'm all about the the, the glam you're really hitting the notes that are hurting my feelings right now. Because right. I, I literally, like, I was talking with my wife, and I'm like, where did this second chin come from? Like, I didn't have this second chin 15 minutes ago when I had this beautiful facial hair. But here, and then I have, like, dimples now, too. Like, I guess I had dimples under the goatee. I don't know. Ladies, Chris, with this, I'm going to need you to calm down. I am married, so you can't you can't come after this baby face. Like, with this level sorry, of this sacrifice. Sorry, this package is taken. With this yeah. level of sacrifice, you should ask for a 2.5% reduction in tithe. I'm just saying maybe there's a little <laughs> give and take here on this. Um, a little because... negotiation with the with the Lord. That's right. I mean, hey, Moses did it. If he I did. My, and he came um... down with, he came down with ten, 10 rules. Exactly. And there's was it Moses who, who, who pleaded with God to save? Or that was, was that Abraham? Abraham pleaded with God. Pleaded with God, say, "Hey, look, you know, what about if we, if I can find ten righteous people, if I can find whatever?" He, he mm -hmm. negotiated with God. I think God was saying, "Yeah, you're not even going to find that many." So I'm not worried about your right. negotiation tactics. So did God talk to Abraham like this weekend, or was this biblical times? Because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same deal. So Chris, while I've been in the South Carolina, a monumental earth-shattering event took place, which was. The latest installment of the Republican presidential debates. I know oh, you were glued to your, absolutely. I want to say TV, but I'm not even sure it was on TV. What, did, no. you, did, you, did you watch it? Did you even know it was going on? I was listening to it via stream on my cell phone because I could not find it on any of my local channels. Though, right. Arizona is a battleground state, right? Arizona is a swing state. So you would think that the Republican and, you know. We, we've been heavily Republican for a really long time. I could not find it. 
The uh, well, it, it, the, no worries on that because yeah, most of much. us now watch the debate via the highlights on on, on the internet. Because why yeah. put yourself through that misery when you can just catch the highlights? So that's what I did. And one, let me just give you my thoughts. But again, keep in mind, I didn't actually watch it. I just watched the highlights. Okay, my first takeaway is that once again, Trump is a inadvertent genius uh, i know he's staying away from these debates and i think chris he has stumbled upon a winning formula he needs to skip all debates because i think we forgot right. how bad of a debater trump is and as long as trump is staying away from the the, the debates we don't see ugly trump i mean we just see pompous arrogant narcissistic trump which we all know mm -hmm. to love and and respect it's the trump that's the bully with uh on the stage where he just has to command front and center he makes himself look stupid that's the trump yeah. we don't like um i mean some of us don't like <laughs> yeah, yeah, others most many people the other yeah, exactly many other reasons why they don't like trump but i'm as long as he doesn't debate i think his poll numbers are going to increase and that applies to the presidential debates as well. He needs to do whatever he can to right. not debate Biden. That is his winning formula. I think he stumbled upon it, and it worked again this <laughs> week. Trump was the big winner because he skipped the debates. Any thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, they couldn't stop talking about Trump, right? That was the first thing. Uh, between attacking themselves, like watching them, like, yeah, like Vivek Ramaswamy just go after Chris Christie and Governor Haley and like, come on, man. Like you're a caricature of what a candidate should be. But let's agree on that. Vivek is is a is a punk. He is a bully. Yeah. I cannot stand him if he wins the presidency. I am moving to Canada. No, no, no. I'm moving to Aruba. I, I want to go south. I'm not. Why, why do we always go north? Let's go south because it's easy to cross the border north. Like that's an easy exit. And you can continue li like you've been to Vancouver. It's Seattle North. Like you're it's you're gonna nice. get your Tim Hortons, and you're gonna have some Pacific Northwest, and there's still gonna be like a Starbucks and all sort of stuff. Like you're gonna live comfortably in, in Vancouver. It's my dream to buy a place in Bonaire. Uh, I did, I did a cruise where I went to Aruba, Curacao, and Bonaire, and I oh, want to Aruba. move to Bonaire. It's a very very small populated island. They have one island in there that's totally uninhabited, Ooh. and that's where we went to. It was a blast. Yeah, if Vivac wins, or however you say his name. Um, I, I'm moving to him because I, I, he, I'm, come on. He held up a sign that said, Haley is corrupt. Can you imagine Chris reading the history books and reading about the Lincoln Douglas debates where Abraham Lincoln held up a sign that said, Stephen Douglas is corrupt. What kind of punkish grade school, you know, move was that? Well, it's funny because he complains that young people like don't have, the scruples or the intelligence to vote. And then he acts like every young person I know in, in his demeanor, in his calling people out in his, all of his, all of his actions center around the fact that he acts like he's a 16 year old with an iPhone. And it absolutely kills me. Like the guy is the biggest windsock that I've ever seen in politics that just were whichever direction that looks maybe popular. He's gonna he's gonna raise his flag that direction. He's gonna point that way. And, and I listened to some of the debates, and it reminded me <laughs> of why I hate presidential debates. And I, Chris, I oh, wish yeah. someone 
I wish I had control. I wish someone asked me to host one of these debates. My rule and every rule for every future presidential debate should be you have a mic. And when your 60 seconds are up, your mic is being cut. Yeah. I hate this talking over each other. That's why you have sports talk at ESPN in the mornings. I, as, I don't listen to that. I'm not going to listen to these right. blowhards in a presidential debate just talk over one another. It's rude. It's condescending. It's not a debate. It's just a yelling match. And so, right. I, I, I mean, I that's why it. that's why I stopped listening to um, what was it Undisputed with uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless? Like, yes, I just got tired of them screaming at each other, like. Joel, you and I have varying levels of difference of opinions on varying different subjects, but we're not screaming at one another to try to get our point across. You talk, I talk. Sometimes there's some overlap, but it's never like, and that's what I feel like the entire Republican debate was. And and when you say something I don't like, I know I'm just going to cut it in the edit floor. I mean, that's that's all. That's that's how I'm going to get to it. That's that's life. I mean, that's, you know, unrighteous (laughs) dominion, but whatever. Tomato, tomato, right? Exactly. No, I, I think it, there is value in the debate. I don't. I'm not afraid of the opposing viewpoint. I think the opposing, right. and I'm not so arrogant to think that I am right 100 percent of the time. Maybe 95. I don't know. But I'm just suggesting. Why are we so arrogant to think that we have all of the answers? Usually, the, the truth is in the middle, and it's through debate that you actually get to that middle ground. And I just hate yelling over each other. And mm-hmm. so uh, again, I like Nikki Haley. I like um, yeah. Ron DeSantis. Well, at least those two, I think, acted presidential, though I think Ron DeSantis also engaged in a little bit of talking over other people. But unfortunately, those are the rules of how this game is played. Right. If you sit on the sidelines and wait your turn, well, you're going to be a Mike Pence and you're going to be permanently on the sidelines. So I wish the debate moderators would just set that as a rule, cut off the people's mic. when It's not their 60 seconds. Cut their mic off. Put them in some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, drummer's box where they can't even be heard. Right? Just <laughs> shut them up. Cut them off. Cut them off. And I think the debates would be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, they would get at least they would require the candidates to be a lot more focused, right? If I knew that I was going to not have, you know, time after sixty seconds, I really would not waste my time yelling at the other candidates i would just get my message across the best i could all right so here is the strategy going forward um we're gonna start the iowa primaries now here in january and the issue is pretty much everyone is going to agree that trump versus three trump wins trump versus two trump wins trump versus one now maybe there might be some momentum if these criminal charges have any teeth whatsoever i don't think these criminal charges have any teeth i think the more the Democrats push these criminal charges, the more Trump rises in the polls. I think Trump loves these these trials, actually. It, it's it's free publicity. It's uh, Every single trial is baseless except for one. And the one trial that actually has some teeth, which is the classified documents, no one cares about that kind of because there's no victim. And they believe both sides have done this for many, many years. So even though it's technically a crime, no one actually cares about that. So the more these, these trials are in the, the public's eye and reported, that's just great publicity for Trump. So I, I think Trump, he is, he is in a real strong position to win the next presidency. I hate to say it, but I don't know. You, you read the tea leaves. That, that's what this is looking like. Yeah, and I mean, the more and more he doesn't participate in the debates, the more and more he looks like a functional candidate, too. Yes, that's like, what I'm saying. By him not yeah, debating, just, he actually looks better. Scary. 
Like, I keep hearkening back to that part in Star Wars where the fish guy is yelling, it's a trap! It's a trap! Like, this is, like, oh, man, it is... It's good politics for Trump. It absolutely so, like it's, it, it's, it's not intentional. Politics. I don't. I think he wants to debate generally. He, he wants to too. debate Biden. He he. Hey, Trump officials, if any of you are listening to this podcast, uh, do not let Trump debate Biden. I no. know yourself. You're just going. Oh, but we we can't wait for this. I'm. This is going to be. Trump is going to annihilate. But Biden can't put two sentences together. Right. Here's the problem with that. Trump won't let Biden even get two sentences number two for the people to realize he can't put two sentences together. He'll interrupt him in the middle of the first sentence. So Trump will just, just look like a bully things. and no one will actually see that Biden really should not be on the stage. I don't know. There is a lot of rumor that Biden is a placeholder candidate for Gavin Newsom. Any thoughts from your end of the world if that's actually going to happen? No. Gavin uh, – president – president um, – Governor Newsom is a lightning rod. I my my theory has always been this, and you could you could fact check all, all the way back to the the early 2010s. Nancy Pelosi has been the lightning rod of the Democratic Party for about 30 years. She gets to stand out there. She gets elected from a very safe San Francisco district, and she gets to stand out there and say all the asinine things that we want to say or we want to see. Or she gets to to run the test balloon on policies and and talk about things and have really no repercussions, right? The media can attack her, the right can attack her, but she's going to keep getting reelected in her district and she's going to lead the house. I think Gavin Newsom is going to be sliding into that role where he he's really well-spoken. He's well-polished. He's a good debater. You could put him on stage against Ron DeSantis. You could put him on stage against Tim Scott and, and um, Newsom has nothing to lose. I don't think, and, and I don't think Newsom is electable in states like Arizona, Texas. I don't think he's electable in some of the Midwest states. I don't think he's electable in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Georgia. So if you keep Gavin Newsom as a lightning rod character, caricature, where he just comes out and just says all the thing, like the quiet parts out loud and all that stuff, he can detract from um, other mainstream Democrats that can walk more of a center aisle and stay uh, stay getting elected. So I think that he's going to be more of the lightning rod attracting all the attention so other things can get done. There you go. I, I am not sold that Biden is going to be the candidate. I know they've mentioned um, mm -hmm. uh, Gavin Newsom. They've also mentioned Michelle Obama. I just have a hard time imagining Biden being the Democratic nominee. But, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, we'll find out over the next year. Yeah. Hey, we, let's cover some Supreme Court news. The Supreme Court was in the news yeah. this last week. They have a big case that I I got to admit, I am conflicted about which way the court should go. I'm conflicted about which way the court will go. It involves Purdue Pharma. Purdue yeah. Pharma, if you do not know, is the manufacturer of the drug, um, the, the opioid oxycodone. They've done it for about the 27 mm -hmm. years now, and they promoted the drug as less susceptible to abuse. But of course, as you know, unless you've been hiding under rock, oxycodone is highly addictive, and the result has been a public health crisis. And so uh, a lawsuit was filed against Purdue Pharma based upon, you know, their their um, uh, efforts in promoting this drug, which was highly addictive and caused all kinds of uh, problems across the, the, the United States. All right. Mm -hmm. Billions of dollars are at stake. So Purdue Pharma files bankruptcy which is not uncommon. Whenever you sue a company right. 
Chris, that's, that's why people form corporations. Because when you have a corporation, you have what's called limited liability. You can sue the corporation, yep. and and uh, you, your personal assets then don't become subject to any lawsuit over whatever product that corporation uh, you know produces. That's why you incorporate. Right. Okay. So Purdue mm-hmm. Pharma was sued uh, by thousands of people because of the this, the oxycotton. And they filed bankruptcy because now they are an insolvent company. They don't have enough assets to cover all of these lawsuits. Okay, so you can see right Right. here, Chris, this is a dire situation for the people who have claims based upon Oxycontin. Because now, well, Purdue Pharma is bankrupt. How much money are we actually going to get? They don't really have that much money. It's an insolvent company. Well, in comes the family behind Purdue Pharma, uh, and right now I'm not oh, the, the Sackler family. They're the ones that are behind this company, yep. and and so they have billions and billions of dollars. And so they said, "Look, we will pony up our own money to help resolve these uh, these claims." So even though Purdue Pharma it, it was our company and it's gone bankrupt, uh, we and that's why we formed the corporation to have you know yep. limited liability. We will pony up our own money to the tune of, I believe, $6 billion they agreed to contribute to this plan so that way these creditors could get paid. Chris, here is the interesting thing. The the people who have these um, claims against Purdue Pharma, they want this this, um, this settlement. They want this $6 billion from the Sackler family. This means they will get money. They want it. Yeah. Who doesn't want it? And they deserve it. The federal government. The federal government does not want it. They they filed a motion nope. to intervene and to stop this settlement. Why would they do that? Well, here's why. Whenever you settle a claim, you also are saying we are we're going to pony up this money, but also we're going to cut off all liability. You can't then sue us as a family later on. We are settling any and all claims against us for him or for you know, based upon this the subject matter for all eternity and that that's standard any kind of settlement you're going to make sure you get a waiver of, of liability and a release of claims against you right but here's the problem you're in bankruptcy court is, is that a, uh, a province of the bankruptcy court to accept this settlement uh and say yeah we're going to release you from all future liability chris it's an open question do you have yeah, any thoughts a, on this it's case good, it's well it's a great question because that's really not been the purview of bankruptcy court in the past, right? The the idea of restructuring a company um, through bankruptcy is as old as time. Tale as old as time, right? We could ask a former president how many times he's restructured his companies through bankruptcy. And, you know, yeah, that was a small jab. But that's just the course of doing business. And, and it, you're right. And here's why it's been the course of doing business. Because when you are in bankruptcy mm-hmm. court, you basically are opening up your checkbooks. And you say, look, we have no money. The, the, right. This is all let's, the money we have. Out. There, yep. Therefore, give us a release of liability from these claims as we move forward because we're putting everything on the table. But here you've got a family, the Sackler family, who is not right. in bankruptcy, has not opened up their books and, and offered everything on the table, yet they're wanting a release from all claims going forward. And so that's right. why people are upset about this saying, well, but you're not in bankruptcy, Sackler family, so why should you get a release of claims? Of course, the attorney side of my brain is saying, well, that's standard operating procedure. Whenever you settle a claim, you want a release right. of liability. I mean, I'm settling a claim right now. We're getting a, a release of liability. That's kind of st- if I'm going to pony up money to settle a claim, I want a release of liability coming back my, my in my direction. So uh, 
This is before the U.S. Supreme Court. And what's interesting is the the creditors, those who have claims, want this to to happen. It's the federal government that intervened and says, no, we don't want this to happen. Well, if the federal government gets their way, these claimants might get zero. Right. And it sets a dangerous precedence that anytime the federal government thinks that they know better, they're going to do it. And they're going to jump in there. And they now have the power to stop essentially what the bankruptcy court was built for. Yes. Now, there is a provision in the yeah. bankruptcy code. And I don't want to bore you all with, with citing statutory sections, but there Let's is a catch-all provision. 11 mm-hmm. USC, 1123. Hey, that's my birthday. Pretty nice. All right. Hey. 1123, it's a catch-all provision in the bankruptcy code, which says a bankruptcy plan may include any other appropriate provision not inconsistent with the applicable provision provisions of the bankruptcy code so it's kind of a catch-all provision yeah. and there the the trustee the bankruptcy court is saying we can use that provision that catch-all provision that gives us power to accept the settlement to extend a release of claims to the sackler family moving forward so we expect a decision from the supreme court sometime before june hopefully of, soon of next year all right speaking yeah, of soon. righteous claims and we mentioned politics a little bit earlier, so I'm going to try to do my best to do a segue here. Chris, let's talk about the CFP, the college football playoff rankings, because Chris has now been almost a week. My anger has yet to subside. I am no, still my- foaming at the mouth at the CFP. So much so, Chris, that I want to do a boycott of the CFP. I- I'm not quite there yet, but Chris, I am close. Here's what I'm talking you know, about. I- well, do you know how angry I am about this? Uh-oh. I'm so angry that I agree with Ron DeSantis on something. Wow. That's how angry I am. You and that, Ronnie are together. We have found common ground. This how is indefensible. It, uh, how, it is such an injustice that conservatives and liberals, cats and dogs, you know, <laughs> mortal enemies are now getting along. Mass hysteria. Like, how... I, Okay, so this is the issue that has joined cats and dogs, liberals and conservatives, Chris and Ronnie DeSantis. All right, so the the four teams in the CFP, and and the um, uh, it's it's based upon who are the four best teams, you know, most deserving to play in the um the the college football playoffs. Now, Chris, let's start off with this premise. I think this is an important premise. What is the purpose of the CFP? Is it reality TV? Because that's a different purpose than what other people think. But if, if the purpose is reality TV, well, now we are concerned with ratings. So then, yes. you know, what's going to give us the best ratings for this, um, uh, the, this, the show that we are going to put on? Another purpose might be we want to crown a college football champion who has had the best, most deserving year. And here is a fallacy, Chris, that people keep running around. Oh, oh no, no. We know who the best team is. The best team is whoever, Alabama, yeah. Georgia, whatever name you want to put in there. They clearly are the best team. Chris, that's never been the, the predicate for who gets to play in a championship game ever. Right. The right. better team loses. My KU Jayhawks have often been the best team in college basketball. They still don't play in the final four. You, yeah. What you do during the season, what you do matters. before the final four matters. Right. If the Chiefs Absolutely. lose, yeah, the Chiefs are still the best team in the NFL. Are they going to put them in the um? Are they going to just put them right there in the, the Super Bowl? No, no. You gotta, they you actually, gotta work your way there. They you do. 
your your early season matters and these quasi playoff games matter. So it's not about, oh, but we know this team is better. No, you don't know that team is better. You think that team is better, but that's not even the criteria for being put in the CFP. Otherwise, at the beginning of the year, let's just put them all in and hope our our, um, our ratings are high. Exactly. Yeah. What's what's the point of having a record if the record doesn't mean anything? So let's get to this. So this uh, I, I kind of went on my righteous rant before I actually oh, you described got the problem. So here are the four teams they put in the CFP. The number one team was uh, Michigan. That made sense. Michigan is undefeated. That they beat Ohio sense. State. They won the Big Ten. No one is contesting that. The second team was Washington. Again, undefeated, Pac-12 champion. No one mm-hmm. is contesting that. The third team is contested because you have a yeah. team out there, Florida State, Florida State beat, they were undefeated. They beat, Chris, two SEC teams. They yeah. beat Florida, mm-hmm. and they also beat LSU. They yeah. they played a quasi-SEC schedule, and they won both of their games. And, and yep. they went undefeated, and they won the cha- conference championship game. They should be number three. Absolutely. They were not number three. They put one lost Texas ahead of them. Now, why did they put one lost Texas ahead of them? Well, I, I know the reason why they did that because they did not want to include um, uh, Florida State in the in the Final Four, so they had to nope. knock them all the way down to five. And so they should right. be number three. There's no, they were undefeated. They beat two SEC teams, yep. but the argument went that um, well, Florida State's quarterback Jordan Travis was injured three games ago, and so because their quarterback was injured, they're not the same team. Let's wah, set that to wah, the side. Wah. That is. First of all, they won three games afterwards. Secondly, Chris, do you think in your wildest imagination that if the shoe was on the other foot, that they would make a similar decision? If Alabama was undefeated, won the SEC, and their quarterback got injured, do you think for a nanosecond they would exclude Alabama from the CFP? Not even a little bit. They wouldn't even think about it. Yes. Look at Cincinnati. We're going to cover Cincinnati. There. I know it's in the pros. Oh. Their quarterback went down. Do you know what they did last week? Won. They won. They looked impressive. You have backup quarterbacks who play well, you know, yeah. especially in the college level where you might, it might be a younger quarterback, but they're still going to be a five-star stud. They're going to yeah. have great quarterbacks in the wings, and so just because they're a backup quarterback does not mean this team is not deserving. So nonetheless, they did not yeah. put uh, Florida State number three. They put Texas number four. They put in one loss, Alabama, uh, into the CFP yeah. ahead of of, um, uh, of Florida State. Now, the thought why they did that, besides the injury that I just mentioned, is that, well, Alabama, they're the champions of the SEC, so clearly they deserve. Obviously, they beat Georgia. Right. Yeah, they're they're the champions of the SEC. Chris, I went this week and I wrote down every single non-conference game that the SEC played this year. Every single one. All right, I got a list here. Uh, I don't think we have time to go over them, but I could go over them. Do you know what the best SEC victory was this year? Non-conference victory? No. Not even going to guess Missouri beat K-State... On a 61-yard last-second field goal at home. That's it. That was the best victory over a non-conference team. Here's who Georgia beat. Georgia beat UT Martin. Who the heck is that? 
Ball State, yeah. UAB, Georgia Tech, blah, blah, blah. Missouri right. beat South Dakota, MTSU, already mentioned the K-State game, and then Memphis. Yeah, whatever. Tennessee wow. beat a 3-9 and Virginia team, Austin P, UConn, UTSA. I can go on and on and on here. There are there's no good wins here. No, the the Missouri win over Florida State or the Missouri win over K State was their best victory. Let's look at Alabama. Can I kind of mention Alabama's non conference schedule? MTSU. I don't even know who that is. Texas. They lost to, to Texas. South Florida and Chattanooga. I, I don't even know who those teams are. I want to play Chattanooga. How do I play Jacket? <laughs> What? Why do we think the SEC is so good? They don't play anybody. No, but they get money. They get right. money. That's I'm it. Enough they, money. It's I'm... just money. It's just money, right? Uh, end, well, I mean, I mean, that's the thing too. I and we might roll into it if we have time. But right, the president of the NCAA has announced that there's going to be some new Division One Plus. Like it's like Division Plus. It's like a new streaming network where college players are going to be able to get paid for their 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 work in college like tens tens hundreds of thousands of dollars um the reason why alabama gets included in that is because you can't walk five feet in this country without somebody screaming at your roll tide because let's of the think bandwag- about that you, the you bandwagon you just mentioned that the head of the ncaa said we need to take a look a serious look at the mm-hmm. universities paying their players right. instead of doing these stupid NILs. And I'm in 100% agreement with this. These NILs are a joke. I did a CLE this last week where I pointed out how these NILs are controlled by the universities. This, this is being perceived as the universities paying these players. I mean, heck, even Matt Rule this last week, the head coach for the Nebraska yeah. Cornhuskers, said it's going to cost us $1 to $2 million to find a transfer quarterback. No, it's yeah. not. You can't pay players. Well, he meant the NIL. So it's this weird situation where, you know, the NILs, um, the, the schools are basically organizing these, you know, monitoring them. It's basically, it's the university. And so why not just cut out the middleman, have the universities right. pay the players directly? Here's why this is going to be an important um, issue here. If the universities are going to be paying players and you keep right. teams out like Florida State who deserve, Florida State lost probably up to $10 million because of this decision uh, from not being put in the CFP. You get paid a lot of money when you get in the CFP. Well, now where are they going to get their money to pay better players? So by favoring the SEC, you're giving the SEC more money, they get better players. Here's one other thought I want to throw out there, and then we'll move on. Who controls the CFP? Well, it would be ESPN. That's who airs Mm -hmm. all of these games. They have the TV contract. Who has the SEC network and plays SEC games? Hmm. ESPN. It's in their financial incentive to screw other conferences to the betterment of the SEC. So it is Hmm. fraud. I can't stand it. It sounds like something the VAC would do. And I want to so badly boycott the CFP. But I'm going to hold that thought for a later day. Yeah, we'll still watch. We'll still talk about it. All right. But but morally, we're opposed. We're going to talk about the um, uh, this lawsuit on behalf of the parents of a nine-year-old Kansas City Chiefs fan, Holden yeah. Armenta, next week. But this is the case where you have this nine-year-old boy who uh, showed up on the, the, the game that the Chiefs were playing there in Las Vegas. 
And Deadspin was saying he was wearing blackface. And they said he's a racist kid, racist kid who's wearing blackface. And they showed his picture. He had a nice Indian headdress on him, and half of his face was painted black. And so they, they only showed half of that face. And Deadspin said that this nine-year-old boy was racist for doing this. Chris, when I saw that, I just I, I, I was going beside myself. Why? Why would anyone produce a photograph and write an article about a nine-year-old boy being racist? Chris, I can't think of a more despicable thing uh, a, a, pub, a, um, a company could do. I mean, why? Even, now, we're going to go over the facts here. He wasn't racist. Uh, he actually was a Native American paying homage to his family's tribe. His great-grandfather, his grandfather were actually chiefs in an American, a Native American tribe, and that's what he was doing. The other half of his face was painted red. That was in homage to his own personal tribe. So clearly only showing half of his face was just meant to deceive the American reader. Of course, I want to ignore all of that. Why would you pick on a nine-year-old boy? I don't get that. I, there, there's two things that I want to take issue with. One, I don't know who Deadspin is, right? You, you sent me the Deadspin article and the, the the lawsuit, and it reminded me of like a BuzzFeed quiz from like the early two thousands. Like, right? You know what what what's wrong with this picture? Like, so one, I think that this is the best thing Deadspin could have done from a PR standpoint, right? They they they're trying to play to some ideological. You know, nine-year-old racism, the Kansas City Chiefs should change their name to something. Like, they're trying to, like, loop into something that really isn't being discussed or really, like, fought over anymore. Um, at least in my opinion, it, it could totally be fought over in some circles that I'm just not a part of, and it is what it is. Um, but the other part to that is, like, he's nine, right? If you want to, If you want to yell at somebody about whether or not your kid is dressed appropriately or should be putting on that sort of um, headdress and painting his face. Uh, mom, dad, mom, dad, let's have a discussion. When I was nine years old, I didn't have the decision on whether or not I get a, got to paint my face several colors and wear a, a, a headdress that was reminiscent of my, my family heritage. That was a mom, dad decision. And they wanted to pay homage to it as well. You right. know what? I say more power to you. I can't stand the fact we live in a culture where we got to jump to criticism over these these kids doing something as, as innocent as paying homage to their, uh, their their heritage. I mean, this was a Native American, an actual true Native American. And and Desmond was just flat out wrong. Because we are now out of time. So I hate to cut us off oh. and get running, but I got to get this get downstairs and teach some oh, classes so it's sure. been I, I think your name is chris i'm gonna have to talk to you a little bit more later on to make sure you actually are chris maroon but uh, hey you know what it, it's been a great uh, podcast and have a great week and we'll see you next week next week Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tribe. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.